This is Matt Hurt at Obsessive Viewer on Twitter. This is Tiny at Obsessive Tiny on Twitter. And this is Mike White. You can find me at I am Mike White on Twitter. And this is ObsessiveViewer.com's The Obsessive Viewer Podcast. Hello and welcome to The Obsessive Viewer, where a weekly movie and TV podcast that covers a specific topic, be it genre, trope, movie, or show, each episode. You can find our past episodes at ovpodcast.com and find the blog at obsessiveviewer.com. You can also subscribe to the subreddit at r slash obsessiveviewer. And if you want to help support the podcast, go to patreon.com slash obsessiveviewer, or you can simply leave us a rating and review on iTunes. It helps out a ton. Mike, you're back for... Yeah. It's Forever. awesome to see that you guys are keeping my podcast live. <laughs> <laughs> How dare you, sir? <laughs> no, our our podcast. Yes, actually, Matt's cat podcast alive. <laughs> yes, yes, right. She is the official podcast mascot. Actually, it's the community's podcast. It's it's the internet's podcast, keeping it alive. No, it's no, not. I still have majority ownership <laughs> over. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> No, yeah, I'm back. I'm on spring break, uh, and I'm also on break from putting the baby's room together, so so I've got uh, a little bit of time, so I'd, I'd come back and visit you guys for a little bit. Awesome. Sweet. Well, well we obviously love having you back um, forever. Um, yeah, of <laughs> and, course. Uh, yeah. And uh, so, so today on the podcast, by the way, we're going to be doing just an extended potpourri episode. This has kind of become kind of a normal occurrence for us anytime mike pops back up um mostly because we just we just haven't had a chance to talk to you about movies and tv and stuff so it's a good yeah. way to touch base it's really basically what you're listening to is us catching up exactly yeah which is kind of cool i am looking for we tried to do a, a theme episode and uh i know we were trying to come up with one we had a few ideas and it was my fault that uh i, I kept kind of vetoing matt's <laughs> ideas and tiny's ideas but uh, one one of these days I'll come back and we'll do a, a real tried and true topic episode. But uh, I also like just catching up. Oh yeah, oh yeah. You know we we do have to do uh, uh, Summer of Sandler on Netflix. <laughs> yeah, we kind of have to do those updates, which I'm I'm actually super dreading watching. Uh, those. Is have to the right word? <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say un- unless we have to, unless Matt puts us on assignment, I probably won't watch those movies. i honestly i might have to put you guys on assignment for it because <laughs> netflix and sandler they have the uh they have a like i think a four movie deal um yeah. and of course the ridiculous six was the first movie of that and then there's already they a just, trailer for they the just second teased one. yeah yeah two. called uh the do-over i haven't seen the trailer because i have self-respect <laughs> but <laughs> i have and it, it's really just a quick teaser i don't know why i watched it. I, ha- I don't have self-respect <laughs> i guess is what that implies uh, i watched it and like it's it's maybe a minute long and the first 30 seconds is really like a rehash of the ridiculous six and then Jeez. like they show a quick scene it's like adam sandler goes are you sure about this and it's Bay goes it and then they just do it. I don't know. It's really <laughs> stupid and, and uh, very Adam Sandler asking. Oh, oh my god! I'm I'm constantly haunted by the uh, memory of his of Adam Sandler's statement when the news about the Netflix deal struck. Uh, his actual statement, his official statement on the record was the reason 
this is this is paraphrasing, but the important part is actual verbatim. Um, is when Netflix approached me for this deal, I thought that it was a great fit because Netflix rhymes with wet chicks. I will never forget yeah. that. Uh, Our yeah. long national tragedy. Yep. Well, uh, he's not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. He is. He is. He is correct. He. He does. He does know how words rhyme. Figured <laughs> <laughs> that out. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, uh, real quick before we get into the extended potpourri stuff, um, I think we can let's we can just push back the extended potpourri because I have something. <laughs> well, go ahead and see what you were going to say, and I got a question for you, Matt. Okay. Hmm. Uh, actually, I have two things. One is that Bloodline season two is going to premiere on May twenty fifth on Netflix, and man, I'm so excited. I, nice. I loved the first season. Um, and then the second thing is that if you guys listen to our bonus episode or our special episode that we had last week, um, you, you can still go check out, uh, uh, Michael and, and Dave's, uh, uh, ca- uh, crowdfunding campaign for, um, Surefire, their feature film, uh, con man comedy. It's at seedandspark.com. Um, they're making really good progress with it and I'm so excited. Um, yeah, they, uh, passed 50%. Yep, they're up to like sixty sixty percent of their goal, I think. That is great. Um, yeah, but but they still need you know your help and support. So go check them out on OV one fifty seven and um, check out their crowdfunding campaign. Right. So, Mike, cool. what were you gonna throw at us? So okay, uh, we talked about it briefly on our on our pod chat, mm-hmm. uh, and I also I I think if I remember looking at the show notes, I didn't listen to the episode, but I think I remember that you guys talked about Fuller House on one of the episodes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I had uh, I had my buddy Sam come on to talk about it. Um, Tiny, were you on that? I was not. I have not watched any of Fuller House. Okay. Matt, could you just briefly, ever, ever, <laughs> ever so briefly, mm-hmm. um, just kind of summarize your thoughts, your position, I guess? And also, also explain how you're still a man. <laughs> 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 I'm kidding. <laughs> kidding. I will. Okay. Oh, okay. My brief, brief thoughts of it. Um, let's see. More enjoyable than it has any right to be, and God. a little over dependent on meta humor, but still pretty, pretty watchable. Watchable is what what I would say. Not worthy of the uh, the flack that it's been getting around the internet, but it's nothing to really write home about. Okay, hmm. that's fine. Do you <laughs> is this that the uh, the the pilot notwithstanding, right? Mm-hmm. You're talking about like everything after the pilot, the entire season. Okay, because the pilot is is completely deserving of every ounce <laughs> of vitriol it has received. <laughs> it's honestly one of the worst things I've ever seen. And I'm I, Matt. I hold your opinion. As one of the highest of anybody I know. Uh, and that counts for, like, internet reviews. I, I look to you in your opinion sometimes <laughs> before I think about the Entertainment Weekly or, or whatever. Nice. Um, and I am flabbergasted. I'm flabbergasted <laughs> that someone with standards as high as yours <laughs> is not completely offended by that show of a first episode of Fuller House. I can't believe it. I, I mean, I, I'm giving you a hard time, and of course I'm oh, no. giving you a hard time in jest because I love you. Mm-hmm. But but I, I'm I'm angry. I'm like hot and angry about it. And I have 
I have a, a friend at work who has watched it and is like, no, it's not that bad. No, it's really, really that bad. <laughs> it's really, really that bad. It's really, really that unfunny. And it is even more dependent on the meta humor than, than you accused it or gave it credit for being. It was disgusting. I, I just can't believe it. As the as the season progresses, it it becomes less less dependent. Like it's not as heavily meta as it was uh, in that first episode. But and I'm not going to I'm not going to actively defend anything that has a full cast of actors dancing really awkwardly to uh to uh, um um new kids on the block at the end of their episode. But I will say, you know, it's uh, what. I wonder what people expected going into it because it's it's not it's not like this was uh like arrested development or or something that was of of high esteem. I mean Full House by its own definition when it was originally airing in the in the 90s it was a very cheesy, very uh very uh very kind of aggravating show. It is. It was bad and I I don't like the nostalgia surrounding it because it is not a show. It's a show I used to play a little bit when I was younger, but I immediately realized how bad it was shortly after that. I, but, man, I feel like Fuller House, at least the pilot, I didn't watch any further than the pilot because I, I honestly couldn't, mm-hmm. is even worse than that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I won't argue with it, with you there. I'm just saying it was it – was, it was so oddly watchable, and maybe it's more of a uh, train wreck. Maybe, maybe like you can't look away. <laughs> Not necessarily train wreck, but kind of a, a curiosity piece, and that it's it plays into the nostalgia that people have for the original show in a very unique way, and introduces. Do you the, have great nostalgia for it? Uh, I just have fond memories of like coming home and uh and watching it on tv like it wasn't like anything that i i revered too highly but it was it was something that was on pretty pretty constantly in the background throughout uh some formative years of mine um but yeah it was i don't know something about it it was just it was enjoyable it was it was kind of fun to just watch them do their thing um i'm just i'm so surprised i'm so like it's one of those you know, the work we do as reviewers is, is obviously to criticize things. And sometimes I really think we should just leave well enough alone. <laughs> People should be allowed to like whatever they like. So, of course, you are you are allowed to have enjoyed it. But I, I would like to be in your brain as you watch it because I am shocked. I'm shocked <laughs> that you have so rightful, rightfully um, proclaimed your hate for shows like Two Broke Girls or mm-hmm. Two and a Half Men, and basically anything Chuck Lorre. Right. But the, this, which I honestly think is less clever than that, you you find a way to enjoy it. Like, I don't think... I'm sorry we're taking up so much valuable real estate on this show. Oh, no. <laughs> but, uh, but uh, like, when they use the catchphrases and every single character has their moment to do one or two of their catchphrases. Mm-hmm. That's not clever. That's not clever at all. It's exactly what we expected. It's not special, important, or anything. And they're done worse than they were done 20 years ago. I'm just, I just don't get it. I don't get it. 
and I am king of nostalgia. Mm-hmm. I'm king of nostalgia. You've seen my bedroom. Right. <laughs> I, I, all I'll say to that, Mike, is that I think that you should have mercy. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> okay. oh my god. Fair enough. <laughs> Moving on. Oh my god. Um, no, but seriously, last thing about that is I totally agree. It is worse than it's worse uh, as an entertainment vehicle than than those Chuck Lorre short uh Chuck Lorre shows. I will I will admit that. I just Okay. okay. It's That's not fair. yeah, it's it's not like I don't know. I think that if if it didn't have ties to a show that I watched as a as a child, um, and if it was a completely independent thing that just aired now, oh yeah, I would not. I would not give it a second thought. I wouldn't have even given it a second episode. But there was just something strange about seeing uh, those characters, you know, grown up and uh, and interacting in new situations. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna compare. I know you said last thing, but I mm. I guess I'm not done. <laughs> so I'll I'll compare it to Girl Meets World. How much Girl Meets World have you guys seen? I haven't seen any of zero. Other. Any of it? Okay, it's it's not good. It's it's really silly, and they just at breakneck pace they the tone of an episode will shift in order to uh, oftentimes unsuccessfully shoehorn in some sort of lesson or emotional moment. It's okay. it's pretty bad. Except that I will give that even though it's the same thing with a new paint of coat or a paint of coat, a new coat of paint and they switch the roles, at least Girl Meets World adheres to this new Disney Channel Nickelodeon school of uh, kid acting. That's just Active ADD, jump, 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 overacting, overacting, uh, the punchline, move on from it, even if, it does, even if it doesn't work. At least it adheres to that. Four House is only nostalgia and people basically reading from the script. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I agree. There's just, there is no, there's no style to anything but the rehashing of old lines. The biggest fall for me, (laughs) I'm so sorry, I'm just so shocked. I'm just so shocked. Mm -hmm. Anyway, the the worst thing for me is um, when DJ's old boyfriend Steve comes in, Mm -hmm. and, and they live in this fantasy land where nothing is really that bad, even though her husband just died and she right. had three kids, right? Nothing is all that bad, whatever. And he comes in and I don't know, it's been a couple of years. Since, I, I don't know. They don't tell you anything. Mm-hmm. They just expect you to understand. And he comes in and says, listen, Hey, we had some fun times. And whenever you're ready for something more, I'm here. And I'm like, this dude showed up 30 seconds ago and gave this line that any first year script writer would put in the third episode. I'm huh. just, I, it was just uh, blown away by, by how ridiculous that was. Like no care for anything, but the fact that we know that people in their thirties and forties are, are going to laugh at this stuff because they remember it. Not because it's good. Yeah, man. That's it. Would have been so much fun to have you on that episode. <laughs> I know. I'm, yeah, you're right. It would have been better. I'm sorry. We're oh no, no, no. Anyway, you're fine. Hopefully, whatever. You go first. <laughs> I'm sorry. Wow, I'm that, sorry. Uh, I love you. I know. I just I can't believe. 
the popularity really it's not even just you yeah yeah and i'm I, like i said i'm not I mean, I could have gone either way with it getting renewed. Um, <laughs> uh, if it was just a one season and done thing, I would not have been uh, heartbroken over it. So, um, yeah. wow, that conversation went so long. You might have to cut it out. <laughs> I don't. I don't get it. Like, hey, <laughs> God, you get it, Mike. Uh, anyway, <laughs> so, so I don't want to get it. <laughs> I hated the original show. Uh, I, I still hate the original show. See, yeah, I don't. I it's don't know. Not, it's not. It's not like uh, Amanda and I have gone back and and we're watching um, Home Improvement lately, which is a really funny, really solid sitcom, mm-hmm. and it's as good as you remember it. I I bet. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Anyway. Anyway. Um. <laughs> Uh, for more thoughts on Fuller House, check out OV156. <laughs> um, <laughs> Not featuring me. Right, right. Um, so anyway, so we're doing extended potpourri, guys. Um, and I guess, uh, do you guys mind if I go first? Go for or, it, homie. Or go ahead, man. Next. Okay, so this... Uh, okay, I'm, I'm, it's kind of tough to for where to start here. So um, I watched the movie Lock. Uh, I think it was from 2013. I watched it on Amazon Prime. Um, I went in not knowing anything about the plot. Um, I just really only knew about the concept of the movie, which is to say that it's a movie where Tom Hardy is in a car throughout the entire runtime. Um, and I won't say what the plot is, but what I will say is that the movie is about a man who's trying to keep his life in order while several things work to destroy it. That's that's how I'll I'll... Uh, basically summarize it. Um, Okay. So, first of all, I'll just start by saying neither one of you guys have seen it, right? Correct. Okay. And uh, so, as a just standard uh, movie review thoughts on it, I'll just say that uh, as as an example of constrained storytelling, the movie was absolutely fantastic. Um, It does a really great job of basically taking all of the like delivering all of the plot and all of the exposition and all everything just just completely through phone calls and phone conversations that Tom Hardy has with several characters while he's going from point A to point B and that the way it tells the story in in that manner is just it's done really well and I really appreciated it and uh I mean just the I have some weird thing where I really love uh scenes of of streets like uh like establishing shots of streets and stuff and and at night bathed in street lamps and stuff um and there's just plenty of that in this movie and I really enjoyed um but Tom Hardy he is freaking amazing in this he really commands the screen and he gives like a really captivating performance and it's filled with a lot of like nuances that I really enjoyed. Like there are a couple scenes where he kind of, uh, he, he doesn't not break the fourth wall, but he speaks to himself, um, in in the car. And it's, it's, it's done so lightly throughout the movie that it's, they don't overdo it or do too much with it. It's really a great way to show his character and everything. Um, So yeah, so that's my thoughts on Locke, but I, I'm, this is going to be kind of weird or I, I don't know how I'm going to phrase this exactly, but on a personal level, 
this movie freaking blew me away. Wow. And it was a really, really unique viewing experience for me. Um, let me start by asking you guys a question. Have you guys ever watched a movie where you were at like the perfect time in your life or at a, you were at a very specific part of your life or point in your life where seeing that movie, maybe not intentionally, but just seeing that movie, it just like, it just opened you up to resonate with it a lot more than you would have un- at any other point in your life. Try it. <clears throat> okay. Um, <laughs> I just stumbled through all of that. I know. I'm okay. sorry. I- no, you're fine. Uh, have you guys ever seen a movie where the the moment in your life in which you're in, um, uh, the point in your life was made the movie resonate with you on a much, much, much deeper level than it would have at any other point in your life? Oh, I'm going to talk about that tonight. Oh, sweet. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I, okay. I, I absolutely have. Okay. Yeah, nice. I have too. Nice. Okay, not so... To, not to... Uh, Mm-hmm. But I think I think those are some of the most important movies. I, I, hopefully, that's the most important movie movies for anyone. You know what I oh, mean? Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. I, I love those kinds of experiences. Go oh, ahead, yeah. Though. Okay, so um, as we're recording this, and we talked about this in an episode that never aired, um, because or it was never put up because of technical problems. But um, as we're recording this, uh, it's been one month to the day since my dad passed away. Um, and I, I can't, I'm, I'm not, and I, I can't and won't go into specifics about anything, but, um, I will say that the, the week leading up to his death and the week following were unbelievably like, like unequivocally the worst two weeks of my life and just no question about it. And seeing Locke, I, I watched Locke, uh, probably two weeks after that all transpired and, and, um, to so basically my my dad had um congestive heart failure which was, uh, we found out in September and he that's when he was put into uh at home hospice in home hospice care um and and we were basically when the nurses said that he was he was degrading rapidly was when we like we all kind of were there and we were taking care of him um 24/7 and it was it was a surreal experience and I mean it's I mean it was a terrible experience, but I mean I was I was happy that we were able to um honor his wishes because he he didn't want to go into a nursing home or any kind of hospital or anything. He wanted to stay at home and, and we were I was glad that we were able to provide that for him. However, during that during that two week span, the 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 I guess it was more like two and a half weeks, um <clears throat> uh there was other stuff going on. Like the day one, the day that it kind of everything went to hell or the shit hit the fan. Uh, my mother was taken to the hospital for uh, a combination of pneumonia and the flu. And so everything was in disarray. Um, my siblings and I had to scramble and take time off work and do a bunch of other stuff. And, uh, basically through and not throughout, the last week and a half of my dad's life, um, it was kind of dependent on us to kind of step up and, and take care of him. Otherwise, you know, there was no, no one else to do that. And mm-hmm. there were days and 
experiences within that time where I would be in a position where I didn't want to be in that position, in a position of of having to make choices and having to make decisions and having to deal with putting out fires and 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 figuring out stuff and and making sure that I'm not cracking under the pressure and 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 I'm not I'm not you know that I'm staying strong for the people who are are you know experiencing this with me and everything and seeing Locke, which is a movie about a guy who has something going on that he through him and just a phone he's he's trying desperately to keep everything about his life it, like he has this kind of somewhat idyllic life um or he has a very specific um life basically and he's trying to put out all these fires and he's trying to do all of these things at once while switching back and forth from problem to problem and it was just a really really just surreal experience because i was watching it and granted obviously nothing in my life was anything like what was going on in the movie but just the the energy and the the uh the emotion involved in these sequences were like it it was kind of arresting to me it was it was very surreal and um very unique experience and uh i thought that it was the fantastically made movie and i mean i can't really i mean that may I don't know, um, factor into my objectivity of the movie, but I thought that it was absolutely astounding and, uh, it resonated with me in a, in a way that was a lot bigger than I expected it to be. And one of the, like one of the more personal viewing experiences I've had in recent memory, maybe ever. Wow. Yeah. So that's Locke and it's on Amazon Prime. Yeah. (laughs) See it. Yes. It's amazing when everything lines up that way. Oh yeah. Yep. Oh yeah. Yeah. Crazy. Yep. I don't know if I've had an experience like that, but I've had something similar mm-hmm. to that. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Right. Cool. Yep. We all have phones. So. <laughs> 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 no, but yeah, it was it was it was really unique um okay. experience. So uh so yeah, uh Mike, do you want to go next or should we go to Tiny or how do you guys want to do no, this? No, yeah, yeah, I can go next if that's okay. cool with Tiny. Sure. Yeah. But mine is Man, that's a tough one to follow. Right. Yeah, I'm glad you're going. <laughs> yeah, but I, I uh, we can we lighten it up if you don't mind. Oh, go ahead. Uh, and so I'm kind of gonna pair a couple together, um, and I and I'll also talk about the the movie that has to do with my life as well. So okay, um, I'm gonna be talking tonight about some some recent movie nights. As I said. Uh, many times on this podcast before, and if you're a new listener, if you haven't heard me uh, in a while, at once a week I see a movie uh, with my buddy Jake. He's a colleague of mine, a good friend of mine from college. And uh, about five years ago, we decided to see a movie every Thursday, and we've kept that up for about five years. So uh, nice. I'm going to talk about some of the movies we've seen lately. Um, we've been on the kick recently of uh of horror movies like like crappy not crappy but you know february horror movies basically mm, any any right. movie in february is hor- horrible so um we've seen a couple and i want to talk about the first one we watched was um the witch which was actually really good and i think you guys already talked about that on the podcast uh i mentioned it in novi one one uh 56 but i'm very curious what you uh what you think of it well it, it's 
it's not an easily accessible movie. And my students uh, at school always ask me what I think of the movies, and they kind of give me recommendations or, or ask for recommendations. And they ask me if they should see The Witch. And I, unfortunately, I hate to do this, and I don't mean to sound like an elitist asshole or something, <laughs> but I, I generally suggest that they don't see it. Um, I think more than anything, they'll struggle with the language, but I also think the movie uh, is a lot slower than they expect in a movie, and it's really just not for high schoolers. Mm-hmm. They they need to see some other things first and appreciate some other things first, and, and then they'll really dig The Witch. But, um, you know, if you've heard of The Witch before, it's, it's really about atmosphere. Um, more than anything, it's about uh, fears in... Uh, early settler America. Um, it actually, I, I want to say it predates the Salem witch trials by, uh, by 30 years or so, but really it's about, um, super hardcore, uh, religious people and, and the kind of fears that are produced, uh, because of that, uh, and the specific pressures on specifically women during that time, um, and, and what that can do to women in general, what that can do to the family, uh, unit as a whole. Um, and it's, it's just really, it's really chilling. Uh, the tone is just spot on and, uh, it was a really fun movie to watch. I can't wait to watch it again later. I, I would not suggest it if you're into, um, really current, uh, slashers. Yeah, I, I agree. It's, it's not a very accessible movie by any stretch. Like the language alone is very authentic to the time and everything. Um, yeah, apparently some of the dialogue was taken from journals yep. from the time, which is kind of cool. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I loved it. And, uh, while it's not it's, really, it's hard to it's hard to say. I don't recommend this movie because I really do. Right. Um, and it's hard to say if you're this type of person, don't see it. But, uh, you know, I large, strong recommend, and mm-hmm. anybody should see it. But yeah, uh, I, I think there is a specific audience for it. Exactly. Like the like the people who see it should know what they're getting into. Really. Yes. Um, yes. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And. I wanna. Did you want to say something? I was gonna say I haven't seen it yet, but there was an experience that made me want to see it. Really? There's a girl I work with who loves horror movies. Okay. And uh, I've I've become accustomed to her tastes mm-hmm. based on what she's told me. Uh, to put it succinctly, uh, she loved Annabelle, and she loved like uh, the one with Patrick Stewart, Patrick Wilson, and oh, uh, the Conjuring. Conjuring. There you go. Mm-hmm. Um, but she hated. Um, uh, it follows. Ooh. So I was like, okay, I think I think I understand the kind of horror fan she is. Right. And she came, she came back and she said that she hated the witch. So I was like, all right, I want to see it now. Yeah, sounds awesome. I see. So there were first litmus. Yeah, yeah. I thought that was going to go another way. Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, actually, that's a really, that's a really. I like The Conjuring, but uh, yeah. I love it. Follows and Annabelle is pretty dumb. Except we did watch it. During Shocktober, and I, I think there are some fun moments. I, I think there's yeah. also a specific audience for that. It's better than a lot of the crap, but uh, she, absolutely. She said the newer the newer Poltergeist was good. She didn't say it no, was great and loved okay. it, but she said it was good. So that's another thing. Okay. 
Yeah. Uh, so, so if you guys don't mind me doubling up, I oh, go ahead. Kind of have a theme here if I could keep going. Oh yeah. Hey, wait. First, first, uh, I wanted to ask you, what did you think of the clear Kubrick, uh, Kubrick influences and the Shining influence in The Witch? I I think it makes me appreciate The Shining even more. Nice. I, and you guys know that my that my feelings on The Shining have evolved on on this show over right. time. I mean, we kind of I hated it. And then, interestingly, just before our debate, uh, if you don't know, Matt and I had a debate about mm. the merits of The Shining. Just before, I kind of had a transformative moment where I'm like, <laughs> I, I think I really like this movie. Mm. What am I going to argue with about the movie with Matt? Because I like it. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, clearly it's about setting, just like The Shining is about mm-hmm. setting. Clearly it's about uh, anxiety, which The Shining is about anxiety. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was it was there and I loved it. Yeah, I thought that the it, it paid tribute to The Shining in a very unique way in that it, it paid its tributes and everything, but it made it made some some things that were very much clearly clearly homages to the shining but it made it its own and it fit into the story it was telling like it was original in, in itself um, it does and it's and it's 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 hard to say um i i think there are homages to at least some of the way uh Kubrick tells his story mm-hmm. specifically in shining um but it, it, he doesn't have he, or, the the guy who directed the witch and in this case me apologize um he he doesn't have Kubrick's camera which right. is to say he he doesn't linger on a shot he doesn't he doesn't follow a kid on a tricycle down a hallway for three right. minutes um there's really none of that I don't think right yeah I I agree I I love the witch so um yeah, I'm good. excited to see it again but what was what's your next one transitions yeah, well <laughs> The week after, we saw The Boy, which is terrible, which is a terrible, terrible movie. You thought it was uh, terrible. Interesting. I did, what, did you like it? I, I thought it was serviceable, really. Um, okay. Uh, go ahead. Go ahead. It was serviceable, but the week after The Witch, I mean, here, mm. here's what else I thought. We, uh, there was nobody else in the theater but Jake, uh, my brother, uh, a friend from high school and myself. So it was the four of us. And, and we actually got to do a, a, a mystery science theater type of thing on the movie. Nice. For nice. 45 minutes. And I think, you know, after the movie was over, we were like, yeah, that was, that was pretty pretty good. There were some scary moments, and we were surprised by the ending, I think, a little bit. But then looking back, it was like, I think we only enjoyed it because we we ragged on it for 45 <laughs> minutes of the movie. Sure. Sure. So I, I really don't want to talk about the boy. Uh, but what I do want to talk about is um, after that, we saw the other side of the door. And this is the one I am going to talk about for just a little bit. Have you guys seen the other side of the door yet? Uh, I'm not sure I've even heard of it. Yeah, me neither. I feel like I, I may have seen like a poster for it or something, but I don't know what it, it is. I'm not surprised. Completely under the radar. Nobody has seen it. it it's coming on. It's that's nothing, and and we only saw it because it was in a it was in a low week. Uh, there was nothing there. So mm-hmm. essentially, um, this woman announced to her husband that she's pregnant. They are in India. He does work in India, and when they're strolling on the beach, he says, "Why don't we stay here, raise the baby in India?" 
and then to it's in the six years in the future they're living in India um, clearly something bad has happened and uh, we find out that they one of their children has died um, and so this the story is that um, you can talk to your deceased family members if you spread their ashes in front of this tomb and and you do a little thing and um oh. but if they if they try to get in if they, they want you to open the door you can't open the door or some evil stuff happens and as you can imagine she opens the door and eats <laughs> stuff it is it's completely a pet cemetery ripoff mm-hmm. so there's that wow but, um, the, what I wanted to bring up, and this was alluded to, I think, toward the beginning of the podcast, uh, I'm about to, in about three months, have my, my first child. We're, we're, uh, I'm having a son, um, and he'll be born in July. Super excited, super awesome. And I, I consider myself a very, uh, maybe desensitized isn't the word, but I, I'm not a very sensitive person. Right. Mm-hmm. Like not a whole lot is is sacred to me. I, I, I make jokes about a lot of uh, taboo things, and I and I kind of um, always embrace those types of things, and especially in movies where taboo subjects are breached. In uh, uh, in this instance, when children die in movies, I mean, I've seen <laughs> this sounds really sad. Hundreds of kids die in movies, <laughs> and it's like. It's whatever, right? I mean, see kids die. Kids die all the time. Right. right. Do. And uh, except this time, so in this movie, you see the son die. Uh, I'm, I'm spoiling a little bit, but who cares? It's a stupid movie. So the mom <laughs> ran off a bridge, drove off a bridge, and their, the, the car is sinking. And she can't um, un, unlatch the boy, the boy who was like five, his seatbelt, but she can get her little girl out. She's there, and the car is kind of going through a tense moment, and they're like breathing on the top of the water, and they're freaking out, and she goes, don't leave me, mommy, which is super intense. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, she busts out, and she leaves, and the kid drowns in the car, and the boy drowns. Huh. And usually, uh, that type of thing wouldn't bother me. You know, people die in movies all the time. Kids right. die in movies all the time. It doesn't bother me. But because I am having a child, and because probably because I'm having a son, it affected me in a way a scene from a movie has never affected me before. And I can't. I, I'm so surprised to say that I turned to Jake as that was happening, and I was like, "Dude, I don't know if I can watch this. This is too much." Wow. Wow. And no movie has ever, ever been too much for me. Wow. I think about, you know, like Cannibal Holocaust or mm-hmm. what the rip, uh, Green Inferno when they're chopping the dude up. And I'm like looking away because it's squeamish and gross, but I'm like, oh, sometimes whatever they're cutting his eyeballs out. It's kind of funny. <laughs> but like watching this kid drown was too much for me. Interesting. Yeah, I didn't walk out and watch the rest of the movie, but I, it was it it affected me in a way I've never been affected by a movie before, and that's kind oh. of. Crazy. I th- I thought you were going to lighten things up. 
with your right? Yeah, no, I don't know why I said that. So yeah, my my kid might die in a car. <laughs> wow, yeah. jeez. Okay, I actually so am t- gonna lighten things up. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, um, so uh, I watch Dumb and Dumber. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, the theme, the running theme for my entries are they're all comedies. Nice. Um, Good. Yes, I discovered two new television shows. Okay. Um. I'm going to talk about the first one right now. Ironically, they're both network comedies. Interesting. Uh, we bash network, uh, everything network, basically, um, on this on this podcast pretty often. Um, but I think networks still have uh, a very a, a good knack to create quality comedy shows. There's a little bit of fight left. There is, yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um, that's that's where they still have that market cornered a little bit. Um, and mostly and, on Fox. Yeah, right. Sorry, actually, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, the the show I'm talking about is actually the Goldbergs. Um, it's been on since 2013. They're in their fourth season. I didn't realize they were that far along. Um, but the premise of the show is just a really great idea. Um, the entire show is really from the mind of the creator Adam Adam Goldberg. Um, he the the show is basically about him as a kid growing up in the 80s who filmed everything. So Adam Goldberg has, I, I would venture to say, hundreds and hundreds, if not thousands of hours of home videos where he would just film stupid crap that he and his <laughs> he and his siblings did. And all of these episodes are based on a different home movie that he recorded <laughs> as a kid. And at the end of each episode, they show a little clip of these home movies. And... The, that is brilliant. That is it, brilliant. It, it really is a brilliant idea. That is the best word for it. It's it's a great idea, and it is remarkably effective. Um, I, I think it's hindered slightly by the by just the general um, the general boundaries of television. You know, time constraints and censorship and all that stuff. What you can and can't say, um, just like any other show is. But it's it's just such a candid look at what it was like to grow up in the eighties. Um, I, it's just such a great show. Uh, it, it has some, it has a great cast. The, uh, I think the most famous person is probably, uh, Wendy McClendon Covey. She's, she's most famous for Reno nine one one. Um, yeah. also it has Jeff Garland in it. Uh, George Siegel, who are people you'll definitely uh, recognize. Mm-hmm. Patton Oswalt plays the narrator. Um, He's just great. It has a very, um, it has a very Wonder Years feel to it, um, but just more comedy than anything else. Um, the cast is great. All of the characters are really well rounded. Um, the one of the kids is uh, just this really goofy kid who has a crap ton of self esteem for no reason. <laughs> um, it's and the father is just kind of this defeated, very you know struggling kind of on the grind dad uh and wendy mcclendon covey just plays this we would today we would call her a hover mom uh (laughs) who wears bedazzled sparkly sweaters at all times um it's just a really fantastic idea for a show um it's it's one of those instances instances where a person has a perfect idea and it comes to fruition um, and it works in all the ways that it's supposed to. Um, it's not the funniest show I've ever seen. There's some stupid stuff on it, 
Um, like I said, I think it's still constrained by the fact that it's a network show, but I think it's for, despite all those things, it's fantastic. Um, I, I really think it's worth watching. You don't necessarily have to, um, go back to the beginning and watch it all the way through. Cause that's not what I've done. Mm-hmm. I just kind of joined in in the, the fourth season here, but I've probably watched seven or eight episodes and I'm hooked. I look forward to it every week. It's, it's, <sighs> it's really just a great, just a fantastic idea for a show. Nice. It re- it reminds me of. Uh, have you guys seen on YouTube the 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 like the home video commentaries? Yes. Like yeah. The, the the dude and his brother found. I think there's like three or four of them. Mm-hmm. And uh, they, I mean, they do commentaries of their childhood, their home videos, and they're hilarious. They're yes. the best. So funny. Oh yeah. It, I I hate that it's a rip off idea, but I've wanted to do that. Uh, for my brother and me, mm-hmm. um, I, I mean, since I saw those, that, it just sounds like an awesome idea. It's a good idea for a show. Oh, absolutely. And I didn't know that that was the concept for the show. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to blow your guys' mind, but uh, when Chris Spangle was on the podcast, he brought it up way, way back in OV27. Oh, wow. Uh, fall, the fall 2013 TV season. So. Good Lord. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to have to check that out. It's it's very good. I th- I want to say it's on ABC. That sounds right. I don't recall. Yeah. And I exactly. believe. Well, I mean, who knows these days anyway? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I want to say that the uh, that the all the seasons are on what's it called? Um, Hulu. Yep. Uh, Hulu okay. has all the seasons, so I might have to nice. really uh, bump that up and check that out. It's also a very nostalgic show because it's about the eighties, and mm-hmm. I mean, I didn't grow up in the eighties, but you know you kind of recognize a lot of the things that one of the recent episodes, uh, um, the Columbia record company comes up <laughs> where you can, you know, you pay a penny and you get a dozen. <laughs> oh, tapes. Yeah. It, it was just classic stuff. It's classic. So it's a good show. Very cool. Um, okay. So should, should I go next? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So this, this will be brief. It's kind of funny. Well, it's kind of interesting. It's kind of something. Um, we, we were, we had planned on doing a bonus episode, Tiny and I, uh, for this, uh, but circumstances happened and we never got around to it, but, uh, it's The Expanse, season one. Yeah, nice. Um, yeah, I, uh, did something interesting with it, or, or, yeah, pretty interesting with it. I think I talked about it in a past episode, I don't have the episode number offhand, but, um, basically what I did was I bought the season on Google Play, a season pass, um, and I watched the... Basically, I streamed it from my uh, phone to my Chromecast <clears throat> and uh, uh, just watched it that way. And it's really that, – that's a unique way to watch a show in this day and age because it's – you know, it's – it's uh, it comes with – like we're in an, we're in an, we're in an era where uh, Netflix and Hulu and stuff, they have like – TV shows like at their at our fingertips, and from from my perspective, physical media in terms of uh, collecting TV show uh, DVD sets is kind of going by the wayside. Um, and I feel like what you're missing when you when you stream stuff on that is special features and stuff. But um, what's kind of cool about Google Play and the Expanse is that they have like a quick uh, inside the episode segment after every episode that's that's included in the season pass. So I thought that was pretty cool. Um, 
Anyway, uh, The Expanse, for people who don't know and haven't heard the past episodes where we've talked about it um, briefly, it's a space opera on sci-fi, and uh, it's about a. It's based on a book series of the same name by James S.A. Corey, which is the pen name of two uh, fantasy authors, um, Ty Frank and Daniel Abraham. Um, I love the book series. I've read three of the books. I'm, I'm going to finish... I'm going to read more that they, they churn them out really quickly. Um, and it's really impressive that they, that they can do that. But anyway, the show is an adaptation of that. And I enjoyed the show quite a bit. I thought that it was, uh, visually really, really, uh, really good visualization of the world and, and of the solar system. Basically. Um, what I was surprised by was that the, I, I kind of, I went in with the bias of the book reader, when I went in to see the show. So I just kind of naturally assumed that the first season would be the first book. Um, but it's, it's not. And it's, it was kind of jarring because the way that the season ends, it ends at a point where there's probably another third, there's another third or quarter of the book story left. And like, all I could think was if they had a, this was a 10 episode season. If they had a 13 episode season, they could have just finished the book and then started with book two and season two. I don't know why they did that. And in the end, it kind of, uh, it ended in a way that was kind of not, not anticlimactic, but it just felt kind of, it felt kind of inconclusive. And I have high hopes for where the series is going to go and, and how it's going to move forward. It's already been renewed for season two. So I'm, I'm really interested to see how they're going to, um, incorporate book two into the season when they kind of have to finish out book one as well. Um, maybe I'm overthinking it, but overall I thought the season was, was pretty, pretty enjoyable. Um, and, and I'm looking forward to seeing, uh, seeing more of it. That's the expanse. It's on sci-fi. Uh, either of you guys watch it at all? Uh, I watched most of the first season. Um, I, you know, I, I had a different experience. I really could not get into the show. Really? Uh, and I, I really hate that because I think it's such a cool idea for a show. Mm-hmm. Um, I, the, every time you describe the books to me, I made me want to read them. Yeah. Um, I, I think, I think it just sounds awesome. Um, I, I think the problem was I just couldn't connect. I think, I think the, the season was just a little too convoluted. There was so much going on. There's so many different, uh, there's so much culture to take in mm-hmm. and absorb and kind of memorize so that you can follow the story. Um, I think the characters were good. I really, uh, I, I really liked all the characters. I thought they did a great job. Um, but there's just, there's, there's literally so much conflict to be it, you know, physical or emotional or, uh, mm-hmm. political. Um, it was just hard to keep it all straight. And, and uh, honestly, I think I watched seven episodes. Mm-hmm. I could, I think I could tell you like two of the characters names. Really? I just, I just couldn't, I just couldn't absorb it all. Unfortunately. That's, that's interesting because one of the characters isn't, isn't even in the first book. She doesn't come until the second book. Okay. Um, and I can definitely see how the, how it'd be a little too, too much for, for someone who doesn't know the world or whatever. And uh-huh. they may have dropped the ball there. Yeah. Um, quite a bit. Honestly, I, I think they should have just, Basically everything that was going on on Earth, mm-hmm. I think they should have saved for the second season or something. Right? Because um, it just I don't it just didn't. I, from what I saw, I don't think it tied in very well. Mm-hmm. Um, it only tied in politically. The political stuff. Yeah, that's just, the stuff that's in book two. Is it okay? <laughs> yeah. yeah. See, it just didn't. That just did not tie in as well mm-hmm. um, as I think they hoped. Um, I just couldn't connect to it. But uh, I I may give it another try at some point. Um, 
but I, I can't say too much bad about it. it. It has a lot of fantastic qualities. The visuals, like you said, right. top notch. Mm-hmm. Really impressive. So, yeah. Mike, uh, you said you haven't seen it? Yeah, I I know almost nothing about it. Okay, cool. Okay. Sorry. Oh, you're good. So what do you have for us next then? Yeah, uh, all right, so the next thing I want to bring up is... Uh, I. I I feel like this would have been good to bring up, but not a lot of people have seen it or are talking about it. But I want to talk about Brothers Grimsby. Okay. Cool. Interesting. Did you, the, guys, did you guys see it? No. I didn't see it, but man, the trailers just did not do anything for me. Um, yeah. Me neither. It, it looks stupid. And uh, the truth is I really only saw it because uh, I needed something to go see. I had a little extra time, and so I turned uh, the other side of or the Del Feeder, or rather, going to be before. I was the only person in the theater, so I was all by myself. <laughs> nice. Which was a little weird. But, uh, so the, the Brothers Grimsby, I, I feel like I need to put a spoiler alert on there uh, right now, because I really want to talk about a specific moment. Um, other than that, the movie is, is pretty forgettable, but uh, mm. do you guys mind if I go ahead? Go ahead. Uh, please go right ahead. Spoilers for the Brothers Grimsby um, yeah. coming up. Okay, so there, there's a moment where the brothers are running from some spies, uh, and they they see a herd of elephants. Uh, do you guys remember Ace Ventura, When Nature Calls? Yes. Oh, God, yeah. Okay. <laughs> so these are not fake elephants like, like Ace Ventura climbed into, mm-hmm. uh, which is to say Sasha Baron Cohen obviously climbed into a fake elephant, but uh, Nobby climbed into a real elephant, okay? Okay. Are you with me there? Okay. Yeah. And and Ace Ventura and Jim Carrey climbed into fake rhinos, right? You with me? Gotcha. Okay. Gotcha, okay. So they climb into, in order to hide from the incoming spies, they climb into the the vagina uh, and, and uh, uterine passage of an, a female elephant. Ugh. And so the the two men, the two brothers, of course, are in inside the elephant through the the vagina. Mm-hmm. And uh they are not spotted, right? They 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 get away. The the spies go else elsewhere. However, okay. they are not free from the incoming uh uh Randy male elephants oh, are coming. Okay. God. Uh. And so these male elephants with, I, I want to say, three and a half, maybe four foot members mm-hmm. come to the female elephant, again, where the Brothers Grimsby are hiding, and proceed to uh, have vaginal intercourse with the the female elephant and through pro- by proxy uh the brothers so uh uh Sasha Baron Cohen's character having watched a documentary on how this works knows that the best way to finish this process because it's uncomfortable is to uh-huh. simulate both the the balls and the tip of the male uh uh elephant's member so Sasha Baron Cohen's character reaches out to stimulate the balls while his brother stimulates the tip 
Uh, and then the male elephant proceeds to ejaculate onto them. They show all of this. Wow. You know, that's that's just the kind of highbrow humor that you don't get in the U.S. That's <laughs> you don't see it anymore. Yeah, I I'm I'm loving the idea of a listener like kind of tuning us out and then coming into the room where where it's playing and just hearing that part. Yeah, right. <laughs> Which is I I hope that happens. Oh, me too. <laughs> You just described a Tom Green movie. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I said that to a couple people, and they said the exact same thing. Yeah. Wow. And so, um, uh, you know, after they're done, after the the, the male elephant is done, um, they look outside to see that um, there is a line of, of other male elephants. And so as Sasha Maricone character is trying to get out, he is forced back in by another... Uh, male uh, elephant, and then the male elephant rams him in, in the butt. Jeez. Oh. Okay. That... And so the movie is is ultimately forgettable. But <laughs> I, I just I'm just thinking the whole time, like they don't make movies like this anymore. <laughs> it's kind of weird. I really love 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 Borat. I haven't mm-hmm. seen it since it came out, but I remember yeah. loving it, and I really appreciate the Ali G show. Um, but it's kind of weird to see that this is where Sasha Baron Cohen has come to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just odd. It just seems a it just seems a far a far way to fall. I think it it really is, and I'm kind of. I I hold Borat to to quite a high esteem as well. I haven't seen again. I haven't seen it since it came out, or I think since I bought it on DVD. But um, it's it's so weird that someone who can disappear so fully into a role and do like pull off something so unique as he did with Borat is doing stuff like this. Like I like I never saw Bruno. I never had any um desire to. I never saw um has he what other movies has he had? That's just uh, there, what was the, the Dictator. Oh the Dictator. I never saw that. Yeah. It's just it just seems like like he's very talented, but I don't think he does anything with it really. Um since since Borat, I, I don't. None of his other stuff has really appealed to me or, or interested me. Yeah, he yeah. Pe- he peaked early. Yeah, I think. Yeah, for sure. Could yeah. we might see the second coming of Adam Sandler from him? <laughs> <laughs> oh geez, uh, yeah, maybe. Except people don't look at, back as fondly as they do with Adam Sandler. That's true. true. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Well, that description is so much worse than anything I could have imagined from the movie, uh, from the trailer. And I did not like the trailer, so I'm going to steer clear of that. Yeah. Probably. Wow. (laughs) Yeah, steer clear. Okay, so next is Tiny. Yes, sir. Uh, I watched the movie Spy recently. Okay. Which, if you'll remember, is um, Melissa McCarthy playing, Mm. playing a spy. It's it's yes. a really clever title. It's hard to understand. <laughs> um, so I I'm I'm kind of an apologist for Melissa McCarthy. I think mm. we're at the point now where she's she's basically lost all her momentum. I think um, we'll see what she does with Ghostbusters. But um, I I've I've always liked her to mm. an extent. Um, 
but we, we've discussed before how she kind of she tends to play the same character, or at the very least, her characters have a lot of the same characteristics. Um, her style of comedy has not evolved very much. Um, and Spy, I think, is the um, the climax of that. That is the it is the ultimate example of what Melissa McCarthy's range is right now, or at least. It it depicts what she's famous for best, I think. Interesting. Um, this movie is without question a vehicle for Melissa McCarthy. You know, I think a, a, a group or a, and, and McCarthyism. McCarthyism, yes, exactly, <laughs> exactly. The Red Scare. Um, either a group or a single producer was like, let's let's make a Melissa McCarthy movie. Melissa McCarthy movie, and, mm. and we got Spy as a result. Um, it it really isn't that great of a movie. Um. My girlfriend loves her, and and I, that's fine. Like I said, I I I pretty much like her for the most part. Um, <laughs> My so, girlfriend loves her, and that's fine. Yeah. So yeah. you're talking about Melissa McCarthy. Melissa McCarthy. Right? I, just, I just feel like that's the 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 least the worst endorsement. I mean, my girlfriend likes her, and that's fine. <laughs> 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 like poor, poor Melissa McCarthy. That's what she is now reduced to. her career. I, you know, my girlfriend likes her. That's fine. You know what? Melissa McCarthy's doing all right. She doesn't need a. Yeah. She doesn't need an she endorsement is. from yeah. me. So, um, so that's that's kind of why we watch this. My girlfriend loves her. So, um. It's it's not that great of a movie, um, as I'm sure you could predict. Uh, you know, there's it has its laughs. Um, there's some funny parts. I I think I I feel like Melissa McCarthy's being held back. I think she wants to evolve and do something different and play a different character. I th- I think she wants to, but uh, you know, she's kind of she's kind of making bank right now. She's really capitalizing on her popularity, and I guess I can't really blame her for that. Um, but I'm. I, yeah, sorry to cut you off. Yeah, I'm I'm ready to see her do something else. Mm-hmm. Um, What's interesting about her uh, and what we're we're seeing or seeing in the media or seeing with movies uh, is that they really liked her at first, and they liked how she, you know, they were like, a girls can be funny, and b fat girls can be in movies that make a lot of money, right? That was the yeah. that was the Melissa McCarthy thing. And that is so cool and that's so awesome for women, that's awesome for girls, and that's that's awesome for large girls, right? That's very cool that she is that for that. But as you're saying, and I totally agree, um if she wants to do anything else, it's like the world or, or Hollywood said, yeah, it's cool for her to be that, but we're not ready to see a funny fat girl as romantically. Mm. Yep. You know what I mean? They won't let that happen. And that sucks a lot. I think that's a bigger thing that we could talk about. We're not really that kind of a show. Right. Um, right. But I, I think that is, I think that's kind of important that, that, um, you know, she really does have this level of popularity, but I'm sure she's saying, make me, make me a romantic lead in a con. Like, let me be Kristen Wiig in a movie. Mm-hmm. I don't want to fall down all the time. And they're like, uh, you know what? You're just good doing the McCarthyism thing. Yeah. McCarthyism. Yeah. I, I, I agree 100%. Have you guys seen the trailer for the boss? Uh, she's got the boss coming out here in yeah. a few weeks. I it's basically spy. You think so? Uh, yeah. Really? I mean, it, 
not in plot or in theme or anything mm. like that, but it seems uh, like spy. I mean, it, se- like it a... seems to be doing the the McCarthyism thing. Interesting. See, I have kind of a different take on the on the preview on the trailer. It's I mean, it's not like it, it doesn't seem like any of the humor of it is is centered around like like her her being. It's like it's like a fish out of water story, for, judging from the trailer and everything. But it's a different kind than what we're accustomed to from her. She's not like she's not like the big girl that's falling down and everything. And she, she's like the commanding person of of an industry yeah. who's fallen like a, a rich, riches to rags story, basically. <laughs> and she's in the in the in the trailer. She's giving like relationship advice and stuff to uh, Kristen Bell. And I think that that's an interesting. We'll see how that goes, but it's interesting also because she co-wrote the script with her husband, who also directed it. So we'll see that that'll be interesting if uh, how that how that works out, and that'll be a good indication of what like what she wants out of her career because it's something that she co-created with someone very close to her. Um, right. But then again, she he also did uh, Tammy for her, and I think that was basically more of the same, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, it was pretty much, yeah. Yeah, so we'll see. Yeah, I'm I'm ready to see her evolve and do something else because I think she has the ability to do it. Um, it Spy just was not wasn't good. That's a shame. I actually heard pretty okay things about Spy, but I I just never got around to seeing it. Well, I've, uh, I've seen it twice, I saw it, and it's pretty okay. <laughs> okay, it's it's pretty okay. I I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I laughed at it plenty, I guess, but I, I, nothing really stuck with me. I don't think there's any like lines or jokes that are gonna become part of the zeitgeist. Uh, it's, it's not that kind of comedy. No, um, that's a different conversation altogether. I don't think any lines or jokes are part of the zeitgeist anymore. That doesn't happen anymore. Uh, every once in a great while, I think it's been a while, uh, three, four years maybe. I'll say my students don't do it anymore. At three or four years sounds about right. Uh, I love you, man. That comes to mind. Yeah, had that kind of yeah. you know. Yes, it does. Mm-hmm. Since then, though, that that movie was like 2011, I think. So yeah, about a nine. 2009. Oh, jeez, yeah. is that long nine. ago? Jeez, we're due for one then. Yeah, we're due. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Wow. The Hangover. Yeah, that's 2007. I think. Is it really? Is it that right? Old? Yeah. Good God. <laughs> World, I guess. Right? Jeez. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay, so so for my potpourri next, I'm, I want to kind of touch on <laughs> a few different Netflix shows that uh, I've watched recently. Um, I won't talk too much about love um, as much as I want to because actually um, here tomorrow and, and later this week, we're going to have a bonus episode about Daredevil Season 2 where I'm going to be talking to uh, our friend Pat from the Nerd You're Looking For podcast. Um, nice. I forgot to mention that to you guys. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, but we're going to be reviewing uh, uh, Daredevil Season 2, and I think he's going to bring this up for potpourri, so we'll, I'll talk more at length about this show then. But for now, I'll say that Love on Netflix, which is produced by Judd Apatow uh, and Paul Rust, uh, it stars Paul Rust and uh, Gillian Jacobs. It's, I don't know, it's, it's a kind of... A, it's a story about two people who, um, I don't know. I don't know. All I'll say is that I started out really disliking the characters. Like I kind of, it got to the point where I was just completely rooting against them. Um, not just for the, well, pretty much I was rooting against them getting together, um, and everything. Um, but by the end of it, I kind of, 
I don't know. I kind of thought that it was a really interesting dissection of uh, relationships with uh, realistically damaged and flawed characters. Um, hmm. And it's it it was you know it held my attention and it really kind of ramped up at the about midway through it and I actually ended up enjoying it quite a bit so we'll see where it goes from there um, and I'll talk more at length about it in the bonus episode uh, I mentioned um, and then I'll touch on these two briefly because I didn't watch much of them but um, Mitch Hurwitz and uh, Will Arnett have a new show on Netflix called Flaked have you guys seen this or seen anything about it I think it was promoted on my Netflix but I didn't really look into it. Yeah, so it's, uh, it's basically, it's, uh, I don't know. Okay, so I only got like halfway through the first episode. Um, I'll probably revisit it at some point, but, uh, IMDb's plot summary is just a basic, like, like logline for it that says, a self-help guru needs a decent amount of help himself. And, like I said, I got about halfway through the episode, and I don't know, I just kind of thought it was a little dry, and I just couldn't really get into it. Um, it could have been that I just wasn't in the mood for it, um, because I was also in the middle of watching Daredevil and they're vastly different shows. So it's, uh, it's, it's possible my attention was on something else, but I will say that the trailer for it really made it look like the Netflix TV, the Netflix TV show equivalent of the type of indie drama movie that I'm, that I absolutely go nuts for. And I love, so I don't know. Um, let's see. Drinking buddies. Some, something like that. So somewhat, um, but less like mumblecore, like, uh, improv, improvised stuff, like more, more like the, the kind of, the trailer kind of plays out like, a not really Little Miss Sunshine, but the, the kind of like, the kind of indie drama comedy that's basically has a noticeable or a notable actor who's kind of, you get the sense that they took it just cause it's a really meaty role. Like I'm thinking of like the skeleton twins with Kristen Wiig and, uh, yes. um, okay. uh Bill Hader. Okay. So it's that kind of thing where they can really dig into a, a character that has a lot of, uh, um, stuff to him. Um, gotcha. so that's how the trailer plays out. So I'll, I'll go back and, and watch more of it and report back. Um, another show that, I, and the last Netflix show that I'm going to talk about in this segment is, uh, the characters and this is a show that I'm probably not going to revisit. Um, the plot summary from IMDb is no rules, no expectations, a half hour to make their mark. Eight different comedians each get an episode to show their skills in comedy. So it's basically like as a concept, it's a sketch show where each episode is the creation of one specific comedian and they play multiple characters in the, in the sketch. Uh, this basically 30 minute like series of sketches basically um so as a concept it's really interesting and i really i really like that and it's it's showcasing some some really good young comedians but something about the style i just didn't really didn't really like um the first episode has a uh, lauren lapkus uh who the the main sketch of it is kind of a play on celebrity dating reality competition shows and it was okay. It it was kind of hit or miss, but there was some other like kind of running gags, uh, or running side sketches basically that were I don't know, kind of labored, and it was just I don't know. It, it kind of it it made me it made it so I got about ten minutes through the second episode, which uh, featured John Early, who I I know him from Wet Hot American Summer, First Day at Camp, um, but just I got about halfway through it, and I was, I just felt like you know this is the style is in general just really wasn't for me and it's not really even though it's eight 
eight half hour long episodes of a very uh very goofy sketch comedy it it didn't seem like conducive to binge watching for me and that's something that I was kind of looking for and I, it just didn't deliver for me um but I will say I like the concept a lot and I hope that they do something something with it at some point it just wasn't for me and that is the characters hmm, good to know yeah um so Mike what what do you got for us next I don't know yeah that that brings it to me um and so what would be m- most pressing on my list is 10 cloverfield lane have you guys talked about this already no i talked about it a little bit on the fuller house episode but it was just a brief kind of thing and I, it's worth mentioning that i think i'm going to be on film schlubs in the coming weeks to talk about it so look out for that but uh what did you think i haven't seen it yet okay 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 uh, that makes it tough <laughs> sorry that, right that's okay that's okay um Oh, Matt, have you seen it? I have. I really, really, really liked it a lot. I really liked it a lot. Nice. Um, I I had fun with it. it it's as good as everyone says it is. Um, it's really intense. The 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 performances are fantastic. John Goodman is really super creepy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I think I appreciate most that it it kind of keeps you on your toes in uh, the ways that you would hope a movie like that would keep you on your toes. Mm-hmm. Um, I am a little remiss, uh, not remiss, I'm, I'm a little disappointed in the fact uh, that it has Cloverfield in it. And, I, and I'm so surprised, the name Cloverfield in the title, mm-hmm. I'm so surprised that, n- that nobody is talking about the fact that that was added later. We're we're bothered by this so often in movies. I I remember going on a big rant about spec scripts, uh, specifically when the sequel to um, the Raid came out. When the Raid Two came out, mm-hmm. uh, and it was so clearly a spec script they shoehorned uh, the Raid mythology into. Um, it's very weird to me that nobody is bothered by the fact that the Cloverfield stuff was added later. And they have said that when Dan Trachtenberg pitched it, it wasn't. It was called The Den or, or something like that. Um, and then J.J. Abrams picked it up and they added this. It's so weird that we're not talking about that. I will I will argue and, and say that people are talking about it, actually. Um in a negative way? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I've I've heard a couple different podcasts talk about how uh, they they were disappointed that the that it had the name Cloverfield in it. Um, I will say that it's I it didn't bother me. In fact, I actually I love the inclusion of Cloverfield. In I, the, let me in say it. this. I I loved the whole thing, mm-hmm. and I and I think the reason I'm not giving uh, a harder time to it is that it's good. Yeah. And, and it's well done, and it and it's hard to complain about a movie that good. Um, but I haven't heard many people complaining about it. I'm surprised, I'm relieved that other people are, uh, but I haven't heard much. Right. I well, okay. So so here's here's a couple examples. Um, I I heard um, recently again our friends at the nerds uh, you're looking for, they did a review of it, and Tyler in that episode talked about how he. Like he hated that they used the that they used Cloverfield in it and it seemed like a marketing ploy and all that stuff, which which I okay, I that's fair. But from my perspective of it, like what cause it's not I 
I don't know how to say it exactly. Um, so, okay. So what I love about it is that they're taking the name Cloverfield and creating, at least in these two situations with these two movies, a brand of it. So there's like a really interesting kind of thing. Cause like I, I went in thinking like, I wonder if this is going to be like directly tied to Cloverfield or not. And I got that answer pretty quickly. It's, it's kind of more like a, uh, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. Um, I like it. Listen, I like, I, I'm, I'm with you. And, mm-hmm. I, and you know, like you said, we're, we're okay with it because we liked it, but I also think you're working hard to defend it. I'm well, and see, that's the thing. I'm I'm not really working hard to defend it that much. I'm I'm more. I'm really. I'm just dancing around it, so I'm not spoiling it too much. But <laughs> it kind of feels yeah. like if they had taken to to say that okay, I'm pissed that they had that they named that they named the movie Ten Cloverfield Lane, and then. Um, it seemed like it was just getting audiences for Cloverfield that that was a draw for it. I feel like that's the same as saying, and granted, this is all with hindsight as well, because we didn't know ahead of time going in what what any kind of connection it was. But that's kind of like saying, here are two episodes of The Twilight Zone. Check out AnthologyPod.com, which I eventually will start back up. Um, here are two episodes of the twilight zone here's here's one episode and then and then watching the second episode immediately after and thinking why wasn't anything involved in the first episode in the second episode like it's it's they're kind of building this interesting atmosphere of a brand and i feel like the like like okay sure it can be it can be viewed as a marketing ploy or or a kind of a bs reasoning for having cloverfield in the title but what i feel like 10 cloverfield lane did well was encompass the the kind of the tone that honored the original cloverfield pretty well i mean it's i mean it's pretty chaotic at some point i mean they even did a lot of it better i think i like 10 cloverfield lane better as a movie than i did uh, yeah me too for sure yeah um but then also uh what, what was interesting is that uh Nah, I won't say that because that's spoiling. Never mind. Um, but I will say that uh, in their spoiler section of it, uh, uh, over at Mad About Movies, they actually had a really interesting take on the title um, that I thought, man, yeah, I I agree with them. That it would have been cool if they would have done it a certain way, but um, but they didn't. And and I feel like there's a lot of people that are saying that uh, or that kind of assume that a lot was reworked reworked to fit the Cloverfield thing when I've heard that it's, it, there's really not, it's just that the original script was pretty, uh, pretty close to the finished product, except for a couple of little tweaks here and there. Um, yeah. <clears throat> but then again, that could just be, you know, PR stuff. So, right. Yeah. I, I like the idea, um, that it's two it's two entries in a twilight zone type anthology. Yeah. I like that. Me too. I, I, I think that's fair. I think what's weird is that we're not used to that or, or we've never seen that before. So that's a little jarring. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, absolutely. And I think that when people go back and see it, like, uh, like I think that like if people go back and revisit it, revisit it on Blu-ray or whatever, I feel like they, they'll be a lot more okay with the title and everything. Cause it is, it is by and large a really great movie overall. Um, yeah. Yeah. I didn't realize that. I didn't realize it was uh, uh, they kind of took over a spec script and added in the it's Cloverfield stuff. Somewhat. It was uh, it was a spec script that well, was. Well, uh, it's not a it's not a 
spec script. Right. Uh, and that, you know, generally when you refer to a spec script, it's like they literally hire people to just write some stuff. Yeah. Uh, or it's and a, then they take one that already existed and mm-hmm. then they do something else. He yeah. he came to the table with this really fully formed idea uh and they said let's do a little bit of this to it. Actually, okay. if I'm not mistaken, I think I think the way it happened was that um uh Damien Chazelle actually uh, from Whiplash, he worked on the script um then called the seller and then I think they approached Dan Trachtenberg with it when Damien uh, went on to make like he got the opportunity to make Whiplash, which was his like dream movie, um, yeah. and so so then they took it to Dan Trachtenberg, and then uh, throughout working through it, they kind of figured like, hey, we can do this pretty cool thing where we can kind of keep it keep it hidden, and then do this whole marketing thing, which, um, <clears throat> in terms of marketing, it was phenomenal. I thought that it was a really effective marketing campaign, and um, also well, uh, yes, effective. And slightly misleading. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, polarizing. Whenever... Polarizing. Okay. It's, it's okay. <laughs> I think it's a bit misleading. I, clearly, people were misled. Sure. Well, I, I mean, I think the issue I have with that whole concept is, I guess, the concept of franchising is that, what if, for as an example. What if Joss Whedon had came to Fox with uh, Firefly and they were like, you know what? This would be a great new series of Star Trek. (laughs) So instead of being something completely unique and a whole different show we got, it would be a new series of Star Trek. Now, most of the series of Star Trek have been really awesome and great, and I don't necessarily think that would be a bad thing. But, you know, it's just like, to use Mike's term, which I think is perfect, you kind of shoehorn... Uh, an existing story into a franchise. I, I just think that's, that just encourages the stunting of creativity or, or, or I don't know, try, trying to make everything fit into a box. I don't know. I think, I think that's how you get vanilla movies and, and vanilla TV shows. And instead of something that really kind of, kind of comes out of left field or, or really surprises you and, and creates a whole new subgenre or something. But sure. I haven't seen the movie, so I can't really comment <laughs> comment specifically on this case. But that that concept does bother me in that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Mike, we'll have to talk at at longer length about it uh, sure. at some point privately or something. Because um, and I do encourage. Oh, um, I do encourage people to go and check out the Fuller House episode where I brought this up on Potpourri because I have an amazing. I tell a a really frustrating story about the my theater experience with it. Yeah. So definitely check that. Out. I think it's OV one fifty six. Your theater experience with Cloverfield. Ten Cloverfield Lane. Yeah. Yeah. It was okay. It was irritating. Like go back and and check that out. Um, it was just it was like my it was like my nightmare, and then it got even worse. Uh, like further in, it's yeah, it is OV one fifty six, and it's at the one hour and thirty one minute mark. So, listen to that. So anyway, okay. do you have anything more on Ten Cloverfield Lane, Mike? No, that that's good. Okay. Um, and then it is Tiny's turn. Yes, my last uh entry for Potpourri is another network TV show. It is Life in Pieces. Uh, which is on oh. CBS. Um, it's in its first season right now. Um, it's it's really great to see CBS putting 
some other comedy on the air besides Chuck Lorre. <laughs> um, man, talk about oversaturation. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm just sick of that guy. Um, and so, thankfully, Life of Life in Pieces is a breath of fresh air. Um, to, to give the most basic description of the show, it's a family comedy told through the separate stories of different family members. Um, It's very much similar to Modern Family, uh, except that the styles are different. Modern Family has that mockumentary style going, and Life in Pieces is is not that at all. There's no mockumentary. There's no fourth wall breaking or anything like that. Um, But it is, you know, a a whole family uh, from the grandparents all the way through to the grandkids. Um, the, The most famous people in it or would be the grandparents played by uh James Brolin and Diane Weist uh who are both terrifically cast I, I I didn't know that either of them could be so funny but man they're really pulling it off um and then uh the the children of of the grandparents uh played by Colin Hanks and uh Thomas Sadowski from uh Newsroom who oh, was yeah. a big fan of um it, the cast is just terrific, and they all have really good chemistry with each other. They they actually feel like a family, uh, which is nice. you know I think the highest compliment you can give. Um, some of the other cast is uh, Betsy Brant, who was uh, most famous for Breaking Bad. Um, one of the standouts I think is Zoe Lister Jones, who I haven't really seen in anything else, but she's just hilarious. She has a terrific cadence that she uses for her comedy. Um, She's awesome. The kids are surprisingly good. Uh, I bash kid actors all the time on this podcast, um, but they all do a surprisingly good good job. Um, it, the story has, or I'm sorry, the show has a very unique style in that it it basically presents, I think, like three to five storylines every episode, and it like it like has transition breaks where it says story number four, the grandparents, or something like that. Um, huh. It's kind of I can see why people might have a problem with it or how it's kind of uh, uh, disruptive. I, I can see how people might think that, but it doesn't really bother me. I, I think they could leave it out and still have a pretty pretty fluid show that, that maybe flows a little better, but uh, I, I really can't, I really can't uh, take anything away from the show. It's, it's so well done on every level. I, I really appreciate the writing. I feel like uh, all of the actors just got their characters just at the snap of like from the first episode. Uh, it's, it's pretty impressive how quickly it all came together. Um, I'm sure a lot of people again, compare it to modern family. And I think it really is. It's very comparable. It's, it's, it's definitely contemporary of modern family. I think it's, you could say it's a symptom of modern family because that show is just so successful and won so many awards that every network is looking for their own modern, modern family. But I think Life in Pieces is really more of a competitor. Um, it's it's been very successful. I, I don't know if it's been renewed for a second season, uh, but I'd be shocked if it wasn't. Um, I think it's getting good ratings, um, and I really hope it takes off. I, I just it's just a really funny show, and yeah, I mean I think everybody should watch it. It's uh it's good. Yeah, it looks like it's yeah. I mean, it looks like it's. If I'm reading this correctly, I don't think it's been renewed yet, but it's, I mean, it's rated number, th- or I think it's number three on the uh, list for the CBS scripted shows this season. Gotcha. Third nice. highest rated for the 18 to 49 demographic. Nice. I'm glad is, to hear that because it's, it's really just a funny show. 
Nice. It, it has a classic feel to it, you know, sitcom, family sitcom, but uh, mm-hmm. it, it sets itself apart, definitely. I, I think it's great. Sweet. Yeah. Uh, I may have to check that out. Totes. So I'll, I'll go ahead and wrap things up with uh, with with one last thing. I'm trying to decide which one I'll do. Okay. Um, so I watched a movie called The Overnight. Um I was pretty excited about this movie. Um last year, it came out last year. It's basically uh the plot summary from IMDb is uh Alex, Emily, and their son RJ are new to Los Angeles. A chance meeting at the park introduces them to the mysterious Kurt. Uh to the mysterious Kurt, Charlotte, and Max, that's weirdly written. Um a family playdate becomes increasingly interesting as the night goes on. So, okay, so this movie is about two couples who bring their kids to one of the couple's houses and have, like, a family playdate, basically. And it stars Adam Scott and Taylor Schilling as kind of the main um, uh, couple. And then Jason Schwartzman is, is the, the guy playing Kurt. And... uh I don't know. This movie, it was really short. It's it's like under 80 minutes long. Hmm. Um and even then it kind of felt a little long. Wow. And a little uh a little it kind of felt a little dry uh, after a while. Um there's some really interesting character stuff between Adam Scott and Taylor Schilling, but overall the movie really just kind of felt like it was all building toward one single punchline that was okay. Um <laughs> Okay. And uh, I mean, I kind of didn't see it coming or didn't really see it, uh, going the way that it did. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't know. I just thought that it was, it was okay. It was an interesting, an interesting comedy about, uh, you know, making friends as an adult and being in, uh, being in a relationship as an adult and having kids as an adult. And, uh, it, you know, it made me not want to be an adult, <laughs> but I don't know. It was, it was okay. That's the overnight. It's on Netflix right now. So I'm going to check it out. Um, yeah. So that about does it for this week's episode then. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Actually there? I wanted to plug something, um, yep. here in, I think two weeks, probably the second or third week in April, I will be on a podcast, uh, called there are four lights. Oh, nice. Um, our friend, uh, Matt Quiet, uh, from Nerds Domain Podcast, uh, he invited me on. Um, that's a, there are four lights as a podcast, uh, where they basically pick an episode of Star Trek, um, and talk about it. I mean, they're, they're going through like all the series. Um, mm-hmm. so we're going to be talking about, um, an episode from the original series, the first season. So, um, nice. I'm excited to be on that and definitely check it out. I am excited to hear that. I was on an episode, uh, a while ago. When they start, I can't remember what the name of the episode was. Wow, uh, I'm looking it up now. Um, oh, I was on episode ten uh, of There Are Four Lights, Dagger of the Mind. Nice. Um, so yeah, check that out. Uh, yeah, that's exciting. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Mike, do you have anything going on? Um, let's see. Watching Home Improvement. I have to when when I get through it, I'll have to give you guys the the full rundown of my thoughts on home improvement currently we're toward the end of the second season and i promise you it is just as good as you remember it nice Sweet. very nice um as for us next week i think we're going to be doing batman v superman bats v soups yeah. mike are you going to be back for that one do you think uh when you guys are recording that one uh i don't know we're gonna see it saturday i think yeah. so 
We're uh, flexible. It's uh, it's possible. My guess is no. Cause it's back class, back to the grind. Okay, that's gotcha. fair. Um, I will say that. Impro- also, I won't see it until next week. Oh, okay. Well, that's a shame. Um, but if it, oh, I'm excited to see it. Yeah, yeah, I'm curious. It's getting some interesting buzz. I think I don't know. I haven't been paying close attention, but this will be interesting because. Way, way, way back uh, in episode seven of the podcast, we reviewed Man of Steel. So yes, we did. That'll be interesting to see how we feel about Batman v Superman. How far we've come. Yes. So that's next week. And then we're also going to have later this week, we're going to have a bonus episode with Pat from the Nerds, uh, the Nerds You're Looking For podcast. Uh, we're reviewing Daredevil season two. I'm going to be on uh, Film Schlubs eventually soon. Uh, to talk about 10 Cloverfield Lane, and I'm going to get Brian from Film Schlubs on the podcast to talk about 112263 in the weeks to come. So check that out when it is released. And other than that, I think we're I think we're done here, guys. Totes. Alrighty. Alrighty. Well, uh, thanks for listening. Thanks, guys. I am. I imagine over the summer I'll be able to come back. That'll be cool. That'll you, be. You yeah. can nurse your son, little Anthony, while you record. That's <laughs> when no one cares. It's funny that you say that because I, I I had a joke loaded up in the in the chamber when you guys <laughs> if you guys were going to ask uh, what his name was and I was actually going to say well we're naming him after his father uh, so tiny. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Oh, that would have been great. I wish we <laughs> yeah. would have set you up for that. Yeah, uh, didn't tell me. Yeah. Have you guys figured out a name yet? We do. We have a name. We are we are keeping it a secret though until he's nice. Cool. Just too many, too many times like people say a name and they're like, oh, <laughs> okay. Oh. So it's like if we just force it on them. This is his name. Here he is. Right. Little Matt. Little Matt Hurt White. <laughs> Matt Hurt White. I like it. I oh, like it. We'll just have to deal with it. <laughs> When's the due date again? I Thank you for listening to the Obsessive Viewer, presented by ObsessiveViewer.com. You can find more of our episodes at ovpodcast.com, and you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, or your preferred podcast app. The Obsessive Viewer's theme song is An Eclipse of Events and is provided by Loudlike from their EP, Mistakes We Must Make. You can find that and more great music from them on iTunes and like their Facebook page at facebook.com slash loudlikemusic. Any and all feedback on the podcast is encouraged. You can email the hosts individually at Matt. Tiny or Mike at obsessiveviewer.com or send an email to the podcast in general at podcast at obsessiveviewer.com. Check out the Obsessive Viewer blog at obsessiveviewer.com where we post movie and TV reviews and the occasional editorial about the business of entertainment. You can also like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash the obsessive viewer and follow us on Twitter at obsessive viewer, at obsessive tiny, and at I am Mike White. If you want more obsessive content in your life, check out our sister site, obsessivebooknerd.com, for book reviews, author spotlights, and a general celebration of reading. Finally, if you're philosophically curious, check out Tiny's side project podcast, The Secular Perspective, which explores the concepts of faith, religion, and existence from the perspective of secular hosts. You can find that at thesecularperspective.com and subscribe to the podcast on the podcatcher of your choice. Again, thank you so much for listening. We love you. Be excellent to each other.